Hi, this is Steve Hargadon, and it is Thursday, October 20th, 2011, and welcome to the Future of Education. Our guest tonight is Mark Sermon from the Mozilla Foundation. Talk about open badges. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Steve. Happy to be here, and uh, great to see everybody here in the chat. And I know your time was tight tonight. We really appreciate your being here. Future of Education is sponsored by my Web 2.0 Labs project. That's Web20Labs.com, all about helping educators talk to each other. Mark and I share a passion for conversation, I think. Also sponsored and supported by Blackboard Collaborate. I work part-time for Collaborate. And we really appreciate the use of the room and, and the employment. Coming up on uh, part of the Future of Education, but partly just some really fun projects. November 2nd and 3rd is our first ever Future of Libraries conference. This is a worldwide conference. It is free. We've had over 3,500 people register. We have 160 presentations. Uh, I think we counted today 149 countries represented in those signups. This should be a blast. Library2011.com. Um, please feel free to join us. Uh, again, all free. Then for the second year, our Global Education Conference. Hard to believe these are kind of back to back, but November 14th to the 18th. This is a ton of fun. Five days of all free sessions on globally connecting teachers and students. Uh, we had 93 partner organizations last year. It felt like Woodstock, the Woodstock of global education. It was really a lot of fun. Hopefully you'll you'll uh, find some time for some of those sessions as well. Again, all of those sessions are recorded uh, and available later. And then we've just announced the Learning 2.0 conference. All of the themes and strands from the Future of Education interview series, how technology is changing education. That's going to be five days in January. Same format, free, lots of fun. Hope you'll uh, put those on your calendar. Coming up on the Future of Education um, next week, Mike Marimer from Road Trip Nation is going to come on and talk about their student projects. Really should be fun. Then we have our two big virtual conferences. Scott uh, Nine comes on to talk about democratic education. Alan Blankstein on improving individual schools. Tasha Brooks and Michelson from Google on social literacy. Lots more fun there. Uh, added to the schedule in the last couple of days is this Blue Valley School CAPS program, an amazing program of high school kids doing uh, full internships, and uh, you're going to really enjoy that. If you've missed any of the future education sessions, they are all recorded. They're up in full Illuminate versions and in MP3 form. David Lurcher uh, talked to us about learning comments last week. That was a terrific interview. I think David may actually be in the room. Delighted to have that interview recording now. Gina Bianchini, former CEO of Nang and now of Mighty Belt, talked to us about her new social uh, learning platform. They're not calling it social learning, but that's what it is. Tim Wilson on his brilliant book, Redirect, and Narratives, and lots, lots more. Hopefully there's something there for you. Uh, again, all of those available. I am having a problem with my podcast feed. Uh, some change either in FeedBurner or in Delicious, but unfortunately I seem to be at a dead end. So if you're not getting updates to the podcast feed, I would encourage you to just go directly to futureofeducation.com. There, there are a couple of additional ways to pull those interviews down, and hopefully we'll figure this out. This is our chance to find out where you're listening from. I'm giving you permissions to the whiteboard now. That means to the left of the map you should see some icons. And you're looking for the second one down. It's the star. You click on that and then you click on the map. 
feel free to shout out in the chat as well where you're participating from. It's lots of fun to know the time and the temperature and the part of the world you're in. New Zealand, Australia, Malaysia. Help me out. Could be Singapore. There it is. As always, wherever you're listening from, or if you're listening to the recording, we sure appreciate your taking the time to participate with us as we explore education together. Mark, so I know this interview is about open badges, but there was so much in your bio that was uh, of common interest with me. I wanted to explore a couple of things quickly, and I hope you don't mind. Uh, the telecenter programs, were those the Linux thin client centers? No, I mean, what, what, well, partly, yes. Uh, what I was involved in doing uh, well before coming to Mozilla was helping really to build out uh, global networks of, of kind of cooperation and shared technology amongst community cyber cafes and telecenters around the world. So that, that was really working with existing telecenter projects. At the time I was doing it, we got to 25 countries. I think telecenter.org, which I, I helped to found, uh, that global network is probably up to about 40 countries right now. And it was really everything from, you know, just people getting together to, to say, you know, in, at a national level, here's the trials and tribulations of running one of these community cyber cafes and just trying to be peer support for each other through to actually developing common services that would help some of these telecenters you know, monetize through things like education services or uh, e-government services, things like that. So it was a very broad effort knowing that, that those kind of community cyber cafes are, are a tough go at the best of times. Uh, and if we kind of banded them together on, on the national of umbrella organizations and then a global uh, network of those umbrella organizations that they, they might find it a little bit easier. So that, that's what that telecenter was about. And it included lots of projects that had those Linux in clients, but you know, lots of also old clunky Windows 3.1 boxes in the back, you know, the back 40 of Uganda. Well, that's so funny because I, was, I actually attended an LTSP meeting that Mark Shuttleworth was at um, and then kind of followed the lab projects. And then sort of their later decline. And it's, uh, I spoke at OSCON this year about you know, open source and education and kind of the shifts that we've seen. And that's maybe part of a larger story we can talk about tonight. Um, you were the Open Philanthropy Fellow at Shuttleworth? Yeah, actually, I mean, I had kind of two. It was the funnest thing I ever did. And, and it, you know, if anybody here gets a chance to apply to be a Shuttleworth Fellow, uh, it's really a, a wonderful program. And, and uh, they're always looking for smart, talented people. You know, who knows somebody here listening could, could be one. Uh, and it, it's just a place to go and, go and play an event and lead if you're interested in sort of open source thinking and you want to apply it to a particular problem. And I had the, um, both the, the fetish of wanting to apply open source ways of working to how you would run a foundation, which was a little recursive because it was about how we would 
make Shuttleworth Foundation operate better, including you know just getting our open licensing policies uh, clear, but also just sort of operating more in the open um, and expecting that of everybody who is there, doing less kind of of the opaque communication that. Uh, Foundations often do, you know, so having less stuff going to the board that wasn't just public blog postings and relying more often on that kind of public stuff. So that was kind of fun. It was like an organizational redesign in public uh, using open source principles of this organization funding open source things. Um, and, it, you know, I, I've gotten to apply that in lots of different places since. I was just at a meeting with the MacArthur Foundation today where we were actually talking about a bunch of those ideas and, and obviously a lot of those ideas influence how we do Mozilla. But Shuttleworth, as some people may know, really had been a pioneer in taking open source approaches to, to education, you know, whether that is some of the early Linux stuff that, that Mark had tried um, and the Linux in client stuff, or, you know, now there's, there's projects, a bunch of open textbook projects and the peer-to-peer -peer university projects, all of which are, are Shuttleworth fellows who are, are leading that. And it's really at Shuttleworth Foundation that I got exposed to a lot of people who, um, influenced me to think about, you know, education as something that we could apply sort of open source thinking to. And, um, and one of the things we did there that was really fun is we convened this group that did something called the Cape Town Open Education Declaration, um, which, you know, it, it's a kind of corny manifesto-ish document, um, but it, uh, it actually influenced a lot of my thinking and, and got me started on this track. See, you probably don't know this about me, but I did an interview series on open source and education uh, that included um, Richard Stallman through um, oh, um, uh, Eric Raymond and Brian Bellendorf and lots of folks. And one of the kind of interesting conclusions of that that I think maybe will lead us today, and, and Mark, I might have you turn your audio off just because I can hear a little bit of an echo, and I think our audience probably can too. Okay, hold on. What just click that talk button there, perfect. So one of the interesting uh, sort of uh, conclusions to that story of running the open source software pavilion for ISTE for the last five years and through being sort of passionately involved in talking about open source and education was that with the advent of Web 2.0, a lot of the supporters of open source kind of disappeared and that their needs had been met by uh, Web 2.0. And it, it was like the deflating of a balloon. And it, uh, it led several of us to kind of conjecture that what we really cared about was not necessarily open source, but about change in education. And a lot of the people that I interviewed didn't credit their formal education with any of the work they'd actually done in, in free software or open source software. So I, I come at the badge project with sort of divided feelings. At one point, you know, on the one hand, really loving kind of the, the change process here. And on the other hand, I think feeling what a lot of others have expressed, this concern about are we just sort of duplicating or even magnifying traditional ways of assessment. So if we could, but that longer than I wanted introduction, could you tell us a little bit about Mozilla and why you would be involved in this project? Well, yeah, let me do that and, and maybe say even more broadly why Mozilla is thinking about learning today. and, and Indulge me on that for, for a couple minutes and we'll, we'll get into badges in detail. But I think it's important context. And it, it relates exactly to what you're talking about in terms of that bubble being popped with, with open source and, and education, which is I don't think the promise for me was ever 
and, and certainly when you look at it now, the idea of open source as like the desktop computer in a school, or or that everybody should use Open Office or or even Firefox, it was that you know what open source itself is when it works as a as a production process uh, is both a peer learning environment. I mean, if if you look at what it takes to check in a bug to Firefox as a new contributor, which is actually painful and hard. It's all about peer review. It's all about getting feedback. It's all about going back and honing what you're doing. And, and, and certainly lots of research shows that people participate in open source projects because what they want is to gain skills and to get feedback from people who are more skilled than them. And so I, I think that, combined with the, the other very special property of the web itself, and also you know most open source software projects, is there really is both a culture and, and a reality in the technology of having a set of building blocks that let give you a head start and let you play and let you learn by by kind of constructing something a little bit different. Whether that's the building blocks in in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, or the building blocks in different you know existing JavaScript libraries, or the building blocks that are in a, a, a set of open source modules you uh, work from, the the kind of Opportunity to jump in and play and learn is huge because you have those raw assets. And so, to me, the real uh, potential is in those two things: the, the idea of a peer environment where we build things together and we learn, and the idea of an environment where there are building blocks that we can make and construct things uh, with. And of course, you know what Mozilla cares about is that the web continues to be. That open system of kind of building blocks and tinkering, and it, and I think that the the outcome that we want is that there are more tinkerers and more people who see the web as a place where they can make things, uh, whatever that level is. And why we've jumped into learning as what I hope will become as big as what we've done with with Firefox, so that we're just in the very very earliest days, is because I think both. You know, engaging learning as a conscious practice can get us to that world where we've got you know tens of millions and more people who have that tinkering maker attitude on the web. But also, it is in fact that sort of open source style of learning and, and tinkering itself, um, which uh, you know, which kind of draws people in and is what we want them to have. So it's both the content and, and the process. So for me, that's the real promise of. of Let's say what we used to think of as open source education um, is it's a place to kind of learn how to to be a tinkerer and and have your own agency in in a digital computational world. And so I think that's why Mozilla is, is at this table more broadly. And badge has been is something I can talk about in in a second uh, that kind of fits into that. So yeah, I'll ask a question, but if it's not going the direction you want, feel free to to keep going the direction you want and then come back to it. Um, for me, it feels very much like Mozilla plays or could play a really critical role here by being a company devoted to openness, but also willing to get down into the real nitty-gritty of the standards and what would have to happen. Is, have I captured that vision correctly? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, it's at the at the heart of who we are as an organization that both believes in uh, in standards and in, in these kind of building blocks, um, but also knows that you, you know those building blocks are, and the ideals that that kind of are wrapped up inside of them don't come to be 
without getting down in the nitty-gritty of either making uh, making them happen and also making them beautiful and fun and accessible and meeting people where they are, right? So if you think about Firefox uh, in 2003, a lot of the motivation was to bring web standards back to the fore, right? We were losing the battle on web standards with a, a monopoly 98% Internet Explorer market share. That what the web had been as an open toolkit of standards was disappearing. But of course, the people who downloaded Firefox and used it didn't even uh, know about what web standards, much less care about them. And so, you know, we were down in the guts making a browser that would encourage web developers or, or invite web developers to kind of move back to standards. And I think also helped uh, usher in the AJAX era because you had a browser that was friendly to that. But but from an end user perspective, it was also about just you know having a browser that wasn't going to give you viruses or not having pop-ups or a browser that was simpler or a browser that was faster or a browser that wasn't going to crash. And I think as we get into uh, the learning space, it'll have to be the same thing, which is giving people stuff that meets them where they are. Maybe they want to make videos on the web. Uh, maybe they see themselves as a journalist. Maybe they are just somebody who wants to kind of tinker around and uh, talk about Justin Bieber. Um, maybe they want to be able to kind of collect badges about, uh, you know, what they've done in their in their kind of local guitar group or something. I mean, who who knows? But I think we need to meet, meet people where they're at in the same way we did with Firefox, and that means getting down uh, in the guts. And my computer keeps doing something weird. I don't know if it's because of the the collaborate stuff, but um, I'm sort of losing control of it from time to time, and it means I can't turn my mic off. Um, that's interesting. I haven't experienced that, but um, it'll come back in a second. Um, but we can still talk. So if you have yeah. a question with the echo, we'll. The echo is not terrible. I think people will live with it to hear what you have to say. So one of the things I've really appreciated about the material I've read and the, the one webinar I watched was the sort of thoughtful humility about this project as an experiment. Right. Um, uh, so I want to save the kind of questions. The, the issues or concerns for a little bit later and give you a chance to kind of tell the story of the core ideas and values here. So um, it seems to me what you're saying basically is learning happens everywhere and yep. we're trying to create a way to um, to facilitate or, uh, or present a disruptive innovation that would make that more easily recognizable, trackable, and presentable. Yeah, so I think that's a, a, a fair, uh, I agree with all of that. And I guess, you know, how, how we got to it, I, I guess, is, is two ways, probably, you know, three, three ways. Uh, one is, yes, I think we are, we kind of have aligned ourselves and found friends in people who believe that learning happens everywhere and that one of the things you want to do is give, give meaning and validity to that learning. So if I, if I learn something, uh, on you know in a in Stack Overflow, or I learn something at the library, or I learn something in whatever contest I learn something. So being able to show that and capture that uh, is useful because that learning increasingly becomes as powerful, or possibly more powerful, uh, than what I have in the, the kinds of institutions which traditionally um, you know credit learning and and um, I can go and, and say I've I proved that because I've, I've taken a test. And so I, I think the attraction is to be able to, to capture that 
in some way. And that's a, a broad desire that people have as a way to disrupt and decentralize and, and even just to reflect the fact that learning truly is going on everywhere. So, but that's a, a fairly idealistic and broad-minded thing. Very practically, how Mozilla got into this with the with the, the badges stuff, and I should actually back up in a moment and just describe the experiment that we're going into, but how we got into it was really saying, you know, we want people to learn web skills. Why, you know, if I could just come down to it, we're going to try a lot of different things in our own learning programs, but we want people to be web literate. And so badges, uh, presented itself as we looked around at what people were trying as a possible way for us to affirm those and to kind of say there is a standard around um, standards, kind of learning the, the open standard webish way to do things and we want to be able to let people um, show that, that that's something that they know about and are, are skilled in. Uh, and we want to motivate people to, to learn those skills. So the second part is, yes, we believe in the first part, the, the kind of big disruptive opportunity is very motivational to us. Practically, we want to incent and recognize people learning web skills. And that's, in, in the end, that's our core business in this. And then the third piece was we looked around at the number of people who were getting excited about this idea of using badges in this disruptive way. Um, and uh, or frankly, and some of the people who we, we work with, you know, more in the learning space may get you know worry about this. Frankly, people using badges for all kinds of things that aren't about learning, and realize that what is emerging is um, badges as a part of the internet reputation economy, and and I think we're the, the not even at the front edge of that, but. Why that was interesting for us, and it's how we get to the Open Badges Infrastructure Project, uh, is most of how online reputation works now to the degree that it's captured well is in siloed and closed off data stores like Facebook or, or Google. Uh, and we've got a, you know, we're on the record of trying to say actually how identity should work on the web and, and reputation is tied to identity should be distributed, should be based on standards. And so, you know, we're working on a number of other core identity pro projects, including something called Browser ID, which is a, a standards-based way for people to kind of authentic authenticate and, and represent themselves in the web. And we said, well, why not try out throwing badges, which is something that people are going to do anyways. We're going to get badges as a part of a standards-based identity suite so that if badges does become an important part of your reputation, educational or otherwise, that from early on there's a standard that people can pick up uh, that doesn't take this part of your reputation and lock it up uh, in somebody's private data store, but actually gives people choices and gives people control over that aspect of their online identity. And so the, the Open Badges project uh, really is just about that third bit uh, at its core, which is coming up with a very simple standard that people can attach to an open identity protocol where they can store whatever kind of badges they uh, collect across the internet, whether for, they're for learning or for something else, uh, as long as the person issuing that badges would uh, adopt that standard. And, and that's, you know, that's something which is, uh, we hope, and, and this is the partnership with MacArthur, going to draw in a lot of people who want to talk about badges for learning, use badges for learning, but it, at its very simplest, it's really just a, you know, a basic kind of technical protocol that we're proposing. So a lot of us are familiar with badges from scouring. 
uh, or from from games. Um, and and clearly there there are times when we feel like badges are often used sort of as a little bit of an advertising ploy. Um, is there a degree to which the intention of badges is sometimes to keep people tied to a product or a project? And how would you um, help to, to minimize that aspect of it? Yeah, and I, I think certainly there are lots of times where badges are used to keep people tied to a product. And there are also other aspects of our digital and, and, and physical identities where we use you know, pieces of reputation to keep people tied to, to a product. And so certainly the idea of the open badges infrastructure kind of tool set and protocols and standards is that uh, you, you know you create an incentive and you basically create a, a, a market demand for those badges, assuming they are valuable. So say that you know they are tying me to gizmo.com or whatever, um, that that they can exist in a way that I can actually take away from that service and use in other contexts, like on Facebook or. Uh, on Twitter or in my CV in a way that doesn't tie me to that service. I may, I may in fact even reject that service or maybe I, I uh, graduate from high school and it was a service I was only using as a teenager uh, as a part of my formal education and keep that stuff with me. So really the idea of the open badges infrastructure is basically a backpack that you can take badges from anywhere you, you earn them. Uh, keep them in your own backpack without continuing to have an affiliation to that site or service, and then use them and compile them and remix them into whatever configuration you want to show or, or not show to tell a story about yourself. Which you know is basically what we do now with a resume, which includes partly stories about ourselves and, and partly uh, you know credentials. Um, but mostly that that is something that has totally Falling apart, both because the credentials aren't interesting or granular enough, but more importantly because what people, the, the reputation people look to, say if you're hiring somebody, is just whatever you can find in. So, Mark, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but I lost your audio. A funny night tonight with audio. Five, I can see that five or six people are having really uh, serious bandwidth audio slowdowns. But uh, now we've lost Mark's audio. <laughs> the audio gremlins. Um, let's see if Mark is still there. So, Mark, if you can hear us, um, wonder if you put a note in the chat. We'll try and bring you back. The only way I can do this, I can telephone out to you through the system and get you on a phone line. So we're hoping that you can figure out what's going on with Mark. Mark, if you can hear me, go ahead and put a send me a phone number maybe through email so we can not feeling as exposed, but I can uh, I can actually call out to you through the program. I want to put that note for Mark in the chat. It did sound like he was having a little bit of a computer problem. 
here. So I don't know if anybody studied this at all, but I'm, I'm too intrigued by it, and I don't want to steal any of Mark's thunder uh, with regard to this. But um, you know, there was a piece of this, a second piece of this, that became increasingly clear to me, a complex piece that became increasingly clear to me as I uh, looked at the badging system, and that was the security issue and this ability to know that that somebody has actually issued a badge, just stands behind it, or that someone who's got a badge on there in their backpack or on their site is in fact uh, representing something truthful. Um, so I will drill down with Mark when he gets back on that, because you know, that's certainly worth talking about. Um, and then um, we can talk about costs and approvals for issuers and those kinds of things, because I think they're uh, fairly interesting. So Mark's left the room, which probably means that his computer is rebooting. Um, so is there anybody who has experience with badges or has been a part of other conversations where you'd like to bring something up while we wait for Mark to come back? If so, feel free to raise your hand. It's the third icon over. It's the raise hand icon. And you can raise your hand, I'll give you the microphone, and you can put something in the chat. Okay, so if I hope I'm saying this right, Dan. If you'd like to take the mic, you can turn your mic on by clicking on the talk button at the top left. So PJ asks, what types of task skills modules would enable Wonder Earn a badge? So I think that uh, the intent here is to create a framework structure within which different groups can determine different um, skills, tasks, or modules that would allow for badging. Everything from very simple sort of encouragement badges to high-level expertise badges. So good Karen's responded there. Steve, thanks for putting that link in. Yeah, there's a lot of really good material on the Haystack site. In fact, I'll pull up a couple of links right now while we're waiting uh, of material that I've used here. There's a, a nice FAQ. In fact, I'll go to that page. We'll do a little bit of a web tour here. So we'll take you to the Open Badges site. And Mark is back, so we'll go ahead and pull him back in. So Mark, we assume that your computer may be rigged out and left you uh, stranded. That is correct. And uh, I just emailed you my phone number in case it happens again. I, don't, I think it may be like a Java uh, kind of crashy thing, just the way it behaves. So anyways. Well, thanks for making the effort to come back. So uh, you probably didn't hear this, but we were talking about the fact that for me, uh, there was sort of a simplistic level with badges, and then there was sort of the second deeper level, which I realized Okay, there has to be a really good security infrastructure here in the, in the sense that if somebody puts a badge up, there has to be some assurance that that badge is actually approved by the issuing organization, whoever, whoever that is, and whatever that the standards would be. So do you want to kind of describe that? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, it looks like it's working. So yeah, uh, you know, as I, as I said, I'm not sure where you guys lost me. 
um, you know, at the center of this just urban badge infrastructure protocol that anybody can employ uh, is a, a set of stuff that allows verification. And that is at the core of a lot of the identity services we're, we're developing. So browser ID, which is, is the root service we're building off, uh, includes this stuff, uh, a bunch of things where we can kind of confirm that you, you at least are attached to the email address you say you're attached to and, and uh, then use that as identity, not that you are who you say you are, because you can still have pseudonymous email addresses. Uh, and a bunch of the things that we've used for that we've also applied to the badges. And, and the main two things are is that there is a, a way embedded in the metadata, which is in the badge, where you can go back and ping the original issuer to check whether or not uh, the badge is, is authentic and was issued by that party. So say Steve says issuing badges, uh, I can go click on the badge that, that um, you know, that I've got uh, or that I've, you can go click on my badge and it'll go and ping Steve's site and say, yes, this is authentic. Uh, and also, that will, that's not implemented yet, it's almost, uh, there'll be a piece where Steve can actually use a, um, use cryptography to sign the badge, uh, and that obviously can be automated, um, so we can see whether that matches um, Steve or Steve's organization's uh, key signature to see whether it's authenticated. Uh, so there's two security mechanisms or, or kind of verification mechanisms built into the design. So it feels like there are sort of two questions that immediately come up. One would be, uh, the value of a particular organization um, somehow being calculated into the value of a badge. Does that play a role at all or, or, or how have you been thinking about that? And then the second would be if badges can be issued for all kinds of things from everything from sort of modest approval or encouragement up to high level expertise, is there a way to organize based on levels? Just, just summarize the, those questions again, especially the first one, because they didn't quite grok it. Okay, so grok <laughs> it. We all the same highline novel years ago. Okay, so um, if in fact uh, organizations have very different levels uh, or calibers uh, or quality, um, does that play in at all into uh, some kind of manifestation for a badge? Because I can imagine people getting hundreds of badges from very uh, from organizations that give them out very freely, and does, uh, do we just sort of do you just sort of say that's just part of the freedom, or do you actually look for some way to measure the value of the issuing organization? I mean, I guess that's that's always the issue with putting open building blocks out there, which is is our way. Is anybody will be able to use them to 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 do anything, although they will be able to verify who those people are. I, I think what is already in play with a lot of the people who are interested in experimenting with badges, and as you say, you know, really underlines an experiment, experimenting with them seriously for learning. Um, one of the things to look at is having a seal of approval or kind of a gold star badge or some quality mechanisms, which you actually could even authenticate back again against. You know, you could say that Steve is somebody who we trust is the quality of his badges and he's in the quality badge alliance and he's uh, you know met that standard or you could have a third party uh, affirmation to that, you know, say MacArthur Foundation trusts these badges and you embed that. And I think the the thing though is and this is really the difficulty with going into such new terrain, these are all separate but related questions. And so having an infrastructure 
that is portable is one question. Having an infrastructure that is kind of verifiable is another related question. But then starting to have business rules and, and basically social agreements around what quality is uh, is a whole other set of questions. And it is a set of questions that we're diving into with people who are thinking about badges, but it, it is something that, that I think both sits well above the technical layer of, of the core technology that we're throwing out there. Uh, and also, I think we're going to have to try some different things to see what works in terms of people um, trusting the quality levels. But there's no question that's something that um, will have to get worked out. And I don't think it'll get worked out in a top-down, somebody's got the magic bullet solution. I think it'll happen by a bunch of people trying a bunch of different things. Um, and probably one of the things, this is where maybe the badges, you know, even if they're successful disruptively, do start to look a little bit like the traditional system uh, is certain brands will get trusted in terms of uh, producing people who uh, who have the skills that they claim to have. Um, and it, you know, I like to think that Mozilla, if we do badges well, would become one of those trusted bands related to web skills. Uh, but I think that if this is useful at all, that's something that will happen is is that uh, certain brands will become trusted in the same way that, uh, for better or for worse, than probably both, you know, Harvard or Stanford and, and MIT are. So much like the old adage that the the cure to the ills of democracy is more democracy, and maybe the piece here is actually allowing people to rate the organizations that are issuing, so that they're like like a, for a reviewer at Amazon, you have a sense of the issuers' rate rating. Yeah, I think stuff like that will, will definitely emerge. So the second piece of that question was just the sheer volume of potential badges and how you would organize that. I mean, if, if a student or a learner you know, potentially could be earning thousands of badges over their lifetime, how does that get organized? Um, I'm, I'm getting distracted by this question about portfolios in the comment in the discussion thread, so we should go back to that because uh, it's definitely something I I think we don't talk about enough and is central to how I think this will work. But on the on the the, the hundreds and thousands and gazillions of badges uh, question, um, I think there's a uh, you know how do we organize them? I think there's a, a simple answer and a, and a hard answer. I think the simple answer is the whole point of creating badge portability where I can take badges uh, from one place and another place and another place and control them myself and say, here's the ones I, you know, I can tell my friends, here's the ones I'm proud of, I can tell a potential lawyer, here's the one I'm uh, proud of. As long as I can, you know, they're only ones that I can prove are mine, uh, I can show different sets to different people in different contexts. And so the simple answer is how you'll sort them out is that you, Steve, or whoever is showing the badges in whatever context will show the ones that tell the story that you want to tell. And, and of course, as long as they're verifiable, uh, that's fine, right? And that's what we do on a CV or, or all the time in anything related to our reputation. And in fact, ideally, it's something that's better because we've got a piece of our reputation that, that we can go back and verify. Uh, technically, so I think part of it is you know, we will curate and, and show the stuff that, that we think is um, is valuable. I think that the harder part is even in that context, if this becomes 
something that is important. I mean, even though I just think about the Mozilla context and web skills, you will have hierarchies and stacks of badges. And you know, I, at first I was a JavaScript novice, and now I'm a JavaScript expert. And I do I have all those accumulated, or do they move up a ladder? And uh, there are both um, credentialing design or badge design questions in that, and also then uh, kind of user experience design questions for the software. Both, you know, in terms of how I manage and curate the story and how I show the story, and that's, um, you know, that's tough design work that that we kind of have to work through. I don't think anybody has the answer. Um, one of the things I did want to jump in because I saw it on the the thread, but it also does relate to this. I think a way that people will also tell those stories and sort things out is uh, all of the badges at least at the technical level in the metadata, include a portfolio element. So you can you know, tie a badge back to a piece of proof, which is the, the work you did to, or set of proof, which is the work you did to, to earn the badge, which effectively is a portfolio, uh, set of portfolio elements. And I think in terms of how people will sort out when they've got thousands of badges, um, the portfolio elements will be a key part of it. I mean, if you think there's a, a website I designed that I'm really proud of, and actually, it's also the website that I use to prove that I was a JavaScript expert and a CSS wizard and a, so on. You know, I'm going to show those three badges, and I'm going to show a, a, a snapshot of that portfolio element, and I'm going to show that they're linked. Um, I, I think portfolio work will be really um, a, a central part of how this stuff works, if, if it works. So again, with, with uh, an enormous amount of respect for sort of the humility that's involved here and the willingness to experiment, um, I want I want to push on that a little because if I channel my Richard Stallman side, I'm thinking people are going to spend so much time figuring out how to represent themselves. Is that really the use of time? Does the system, even though it's disruptive, actually become not just uh, to a mirror of the existing system, but an even more complicated mirror of it. Um, I'm sure you've thought about this, but why wouldn't you just encourage people to build a portfolio that showcases their work rather than having the badges then bring forth the portfolio? So I'm looking for the talk button there. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think certainly we've had the long tradition of portfolios well before the internet, and, and it's something that. Um, people will always do, and the internet actually makes it easier to make a nicer, snazzier portfolio. Uh, so I certainly would encourage people to do that. Um, the question is, if you want, and again, it's an experiment, uh, to be able to show some somebody has assessed a person, and this is, we'll get into kind of a lot of the questions and controversy, uh, but you know, show, show that somebody has proven a skill in some way or proven an achievement in some way in a lot of different different contexts that haven't traditionally um, added up to a degree or certificate, you know, you can use a badge in that context on top of the portfolio, which, you know, then serves as in the same, you know, in the same way that, that one might hope it would with other kinds of uh, credentials, which is a shorthand where I can scan and get the gestalt of something without having to look at all the portfolio work or that adds some Validation to the portfolio work to some abstracted concept of a of a skill, um, and of course, doing that well, and especially doing that well in a way which isn't just traditional assessment, but actually 
you know, plays with a bunch of things that I think a lot of people like us want to play with with badges, which is tying authentic assessment or peer assessment back to and kind of maker learning or hands-on uh, learning back to these badges um, and being able to validate that kind of learning and that kind of um, you know different approaches to assessment. That's the that's really the tough stuff in this. I mean, it, it's kind of funny. Badges has been in some ways the way that we started the conversation, but it's actually not the hard part, right? To be able to say uh, I've got badges from a lot of different contexts and I did an assessment and I can go and verify that that assessment was done because this is encrypted. Um, the badge part is not hard. The design of learning pathways and then the design of assessments that aren't just replicating the things that we find frustrating about traditional assessments, uh, that's the hard part. And I think it is why, as somebody said in the chat earlier, this stuff really lends itself as a, at a starting point to informal learning and places that haven't traditionally done credentialing um, because there's a lot more open space to experiment with that stuff without sort of fretting up what, what's there already. So this is the point in the show where we normally switch to Q&A, and I want to do that and make sure that uh, if there are questions from the, the group, we can. But there are two things that we haven't touched on that I need to make sure you get a chance to talk about, one of which is the peer-to-peer -peer university collaboration, and the other is the um, digital media and learning competition. Do you want to give pitches or plugs for uh, both of those? I would love to give pitches and plugs for both of those. So yeah, if people don't know about it, although clearly some people do because there, there's some stuff about the, the School of Ed idea, P2PU, in the, in the chat window. Uh, you know, P2PU is exactly what it, it sounds like. Uh, it's, a, it's a group of people who started a few years back basically to get together with study groups to teach each other things or to learn together. Um, and you know, the idea was, and, and I'm a big believer in this idea, that much of the early conversation about open education on the internet was, uh, was really around content or what I think of as the nouns of education. Uh, and what was missing was some idea of how we have open processes or the, the verbs of open education, that how do we actually collaborate and work together, which is where learning happens, right? The, the learning doesn't happen primarily in the nouns, it happens in the verbs. Uh, and so P2P was really just an experiment in making it easy, providing some social scaffolding that makes it easy for people to get together and, and organize study groups and learn together. And we have worked with them on an experiment called the School of Webcraft on, on teaching web skills and zigged and zagged a little bit and had some successes and some failures and are they're kind of doubling down now on, on how to make some of that better. Uh, and then the digital media and learning competition, uh, MacArthur Foundation, who is, is you know, a wonderful supporter of Mozilla in the badges work and the badges, open badges infrastructure work, has also made uh, its 2011, or I guess 2012, uh, digital media and learning competition. I don't know which year we call it because the, the awards will go out in 2012, um, which is about $2 million, uh, made it about experimenting with badges. So, and so that actually is really the much more exciting stuff than what Mozilla is doing. Uh, in my opinion, because it is the place where people are being encouraged to experiment with different uh, assessment models and different kind of uh, badge learning pathway designs and all the meaty education and learning questions uh, that really could sit on top of a badge infrastructure. Uh, there's money there in that competition for people who want to genuinely go and, and try things and experiment. Um, and and the, the encouragement is, 
um, for people to do that on top of existing material, different existing content or curriculum they've got, um, and programs they've got, is not to go and invent new programs, but to try new approaches to assessment and um, and accreditation using badges uh, on top of that. So I, I actually think that's the really juicy and exciting part of what's going on. And the, the Mozilla Open Badges stuff is really just a technological layer that will help that uh, move along more quickly. So I'm not necessarily expecting that you're familiar with all of the ins and outs of the competition, but I believe there are three different stages. Um, you know, as you mentioned, there's a fair amount of money to be um, dispersed. Uh, and am I right in thinking that the first deadline for stage one is now in the middle of November? Yes, that's correct. And and I am quite familiar because it was really, it's still really confusing, or a little bit confusing because we are trying to experiment with some complex ideas. Uh, and I I personally pushed for that diagram that's on that page you you got shown there because it. it uh, it was necessary to make what is complex a little bit more understandable. So yes, we're in the first phase. If you have learning programs that you think would lend themselves to badges or, uh, yeah, we think lend themselves to badges, basically in stage one can throw them on the table and say, here's either an existing or a proposed learning program we think would lend itself to badges. If the judges agree, yes, that's a, a fit. And it's really, this is not, it's meant to be a fairly easy round. Um, Say yes, you know that's interesting. This thing's got interesting learning goals. We can see how it's valuable, and badges would lend itself to that. It goes on to stage two, in which case either you yourself can propose how you would use badges of kind of badge design and the technology, or you can partner up with, or or, or somebody actually can kind of wander to the table with badge design and technology skills to say, oh, we'll help you with that part. Um, so you know we know there's two parts: good good learning content uh, and good design and technology trying to use phase one and phase two to match those up, and then phase three, look at, at what projects actually go forward. So there's some question in the chat about you know, Google certification and Apple certified educators. And, uh, and I think essentially uh, these, are, these are issues to be figured out, meaning um, the, the weight that we give uh, or the, the way in which that we um, Get sucked into, or or can see objectively different organizations issuing badges. Uh, certainly, it feels like that's down the road. Um, this is just providing the the platform for for disrupting and having those conversations. Yeah, hopefully we're providing. I mean, so when you say this, I think you probably mean open badges infrastructure, or maybe you mean the, the email competition. I think both are providing the platform for those conversations. Uh, and you know, the the open badges infrastructure structure is meant to be a platform to kind of push that disruption and push the conversation knowing the different players will come in like Apple or Google uh, hopefully but seeding the ground in, in a way which hopefully means that if they do start to use badges in this way uh, they're not locked up where you can only see my Google badges if you come to my Google web page but you can see them on my WordPress blog uh, or, or wherever or that you can only see my Google badges beside my other Google badges or you can see them beside my Apple badges and my PWU badges and and uh, you know maybe my actually this is an important point and maybe beside my Foursquare badges or, or something trivial because I think a really important I, you know, we skip past this the really important part is Part of the story we want to be able to tell about ourselves isn't just what's earnest and serious and 
certified. And so one of the interesting things to me that, that may play out is because people do use badges and they could be issued using the same technology for both serious and trivial and uh, uh, purposes, you know, there's maybe a way to, to tell a richer story with the Google and the P2PU and the, the Foursquare badge side by side. And then, of course, the competition itself is, is also a way to have that conversation. It's so funny because every time that Foursquare issue comes up, I, I think I'm a little bit like Karen, which is uh, when Foursquare kind of produced the badges, to me, it, it was outside of the boundaries of what I really wanted Foursquare to do. So I actually, anytime anybody mentions Foursquare, I actually have uh, a kind of a negative response to the badging. Uh, <laughs> so, hey, we, this is this is the Q and A time, Mark. I think you've done a really nice job of setting the stage. Obviously, it's a complex uh, set of issues, and you're doing something brave and bold. And, and my guess is that most people feel really, really appreciative with Mozilla doing this. So we'll, we'll go to Q and A. If you've got a question for Mark, you can either raise your hand. That's the third icon over that lets you click on it and raise your hand. I'll give you the microphone where you can put your question in the chat. Um, while we're waiting, Mark, um, did, are there any aspects of this we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure got mentioned tonight? No, I, I mean, I, I'm sure yes, but I'm happy to, to answer questions given that, that we're running out of time. Okay, um, if I've missed a question in the chat, please feel free to retype it. Um, you know, I'm, I, there are probably a lot of other ways in which I'm tempted to kind of uh, find fault or um, look for areas of difficulty, but I, I almost feel like I've done that too much tonight, knowing that uh, the, the huge amount of work that's going into sort of moving this boulder um, needs to be given some credit rather than sort of continued questioning. Um, one of the things that I have found is that structure and freedom together often release energy. And so have you thought specifically of that um, analogy? Um, John C.D. Brown calls it the two different cultures. But th there's the, this need to balance uh, having some structure and some freedom, um, and, and that that's a part of what you're doing by having the structured background in order to structure service, but then allowing people to freedom to experiment? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's always the case, as those things are, are in a creative tension. And I think the main thing is what stuff you want freedom for. And I think it's, to me, the, the things that are most important to have as freedom are the things that we want to have as actual technical or conceptual building blocks that anybody uh, you know, can, can kind of use as a foundation. So th there was a question in there um, from somebody about, uh, you know, if Stanford offers beginning programming courses, would they qualify for badges? And then there was also a question there about um, badges based on uh, peer evaluation. And you know, I, I think on the on the, the question of uh, Stanford offering beginning programming courses, we think that the whole point of this experiment is we're not trying to control who can offer badges for what. So Stanford could choose to do that. But the more interesting version of the answer to that question is. Uh, are there people who offer badges that you could prove your skill against or pledge for or uh, in some way qualify for that uh, even if Stanford didn't offer those badges um, that the Stanford course prepared you for well? And, and I imagine that the answer possibly is yes, that you could take that Stanford beginning programming course for free 
and that that would help you uh, actually earn a Mozilla uh, programming badge, depending, you know, assuming that you actually learned the right things and that those things lined up. So one of the potential disruptive pieces here, which which I know is controversial and is happening in in some ways that are bad and some ways that are good in, in other experiences well beyond badges, is the disaggregation of uh, learning offerings and and certification and, and assessment offerings. Uh, and I think that's something that you'll see happen. And then there was a question about what do people think about uh, you know peer based assessment. And I, I, I think uh, it's an incredibly rich terrain to experiment which is fraught. Um, and which is the fun part of all these experimenting. Um, but certainly, you know, there are lots of environments, including getting your code into Firefox, uh, where peer review is a very difficult thing to game uh, and an incredibly central part of, of how, how um, you know, how a functional system works. And so it's interesting to try it out uh, in the context of, of assessment. And it's one of the things that peer-to-peer -peer universities trying to play with. Mark, there was another question about thoughts on school systems leveraging the open badge infrastructure as a way of acknowledging learning that happens outside of a classroom environment. Thoughts on that? I hope so. Um, so I guess you know where I see where I see the potential for it, and but lots of people have talked about this, uh, is in exactly that scenario where it is about acknowledging learning that happened outside the classroom and bringing it in. I, I am not, I, I don't, I think people will try the reverse, which is issuing badges, badges in formal environments, but I don't see that as the ripest terrain or, or even necessarily always good terrain to consider. But I think the idea of if we start uh, being able to do issue badges for stuff that is happening outside and bring it in, that it's very possible, or certainly I guess people have in the fantasy scenario, that kids who may not be getting the recognition inside of school because they don't fit with that system may be able to kind of get um, a little bit more on radar or get recognized for what they're doing elsewhere. Mark, we always finish on time. Uh, and and uh, even with the problems we've had here, it's been a rich experience having you on. I really appreciate your coming on. If people want to continue the conversation, uh, where is your preferred location for them to do so? That is a good question. There is a um, Open Badges Google group, um, and what I should, but I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Um, but I think actually where, where you can get it is if you go to openbadges.org, you can find out um, where that is, all of the information of the different kind of places to connect in. Uh, and if you were serious about using badges in the context of something you're doing, there also is a badge working group of people who are sort of in the um, wanting to test this stuff out um, beside, you know, alongside of us, which is mostly about people advising us on the technology piece of it. But has kind of turned into uh, a peer learning environment of people who are, are trying to solve a bunch of the thorny problems around badges. So if you were quite you know serious about it, reach back out to us and we can hook you into that badge um, you know badge reference group. Mark, uh, since you stand as proxy for all of Mozilla for a lot of us, thanks for everything Mozilla's done. Thanks for coming on Thank tonight for, uh, for for participating at the end of a travel day for you. Uh, and putting up with your computer, having to, to reconfigure. Um, really appreciate your being here tonight. My pleasure.
Thanks, everybody. Uh, coming up on Future Education next week, Mike Mariner on Road Trip Nation and our two big worldwide conferences. Uh, the recording of tonight's show will be up tomorrow morning. Take care. Have a great night or day, depending on where you are in the world. Thanks, everybody. Bye now.